Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. All right, so let's jump in. Lord, we just thank you for this time. We ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and that you would just have your way right now. I pray that you would help us to slow down, to listen, to absorb what it is that you want to do. I thank you that you want to talk to every single person here, and there's not a mistake. There's, there's a reason that every person's here, Lord. So meet them. Love on your children right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So in uh, 2011, uh, the Dallas Cowboys were playing against Arizona, and uh, they were tied, and there were just a few seconds left to go, and Dan Bailey, the Dallas kicker, was just about to kick a field goal, and you may remember that Jason Garrett, I mean, right before the kick goes up, he called a timeout, and so called a timeout, and of course, there was like no time left. The kick was already underway right before the time went out. It went straight through, and they scored, but they had to come back and do it again. And he iced his own kicker. And so when the guy came up and tried it a second time, he missed. And they lost the game. Now you've seen um, how a timeout can change uh, the course of of a game, basketball especially. You know, they're getting whooped and like, call timeout. Let's change the momentum here. And he changed the momentum against his own team. Probably one of the worst timeouts ever taken. And uh, today we're going to look at the Hebrew word, sort of the Hebrew word for timeout. And it's selah. And you see it in scripture a number of times. Now, actually, theologians don't know exactly what that word means. In fact, that's why it's put in your Bible often as Selah. So many think that that word means rest or pause. Uh, I love the Gina she ran across. She says, well, no, Carl, what it means is rest in God's presence. Isn't that good? Rest in his presence. But you find that word in your Bible 74 different times, three times in Habakkuk and the rest in the Psalms. And uh, 31 out of 39 of the Psalms that have it they begin those, uh, the Psalms with, for the director of music. So many theologians, and I think they're probably right, think that that word, it's a musical note, and it's a sign for now it is time for a musical interlude, Selah. It's time for like a rest to kind of pause and think about what we, in fact, if you look at the New Living Translation, it'll actually put the word interlude instead of Selah. That, it does translate it there. I think the NIV, the new NIV doesn't even include it anymore. So what do we do with it, though? Because it's in the Bible all those times. And see, I I think these musical interludes are actually an important part of the Psalms. Now, you have to remember, many of these Psalms, most of these Psalms were songs. And then they would have these Selah moments where you would stop and you would pause and then the music would play. And what it was was a time for you to reflect on what had just been said, to kind of soak it in and bring it in. And as we sing these psalms, and that's one of the things that we've kind of lost. I mean, we have worship songs built around them, but, but we forget that these were actually songs at the beginning, and we just kind of read and plow through without taking a selah. Now, is it a mistake that the Bible includes it 74 times? You know, that's actually 50 more times than the word hell is in the Bible. So I think that there's a reason here. Now, before you get too concerned that I'm building a whole sermon off of a word we're not sure about, I just want to show you that this is a biblical principle just beyond this word. So let's go to Psalm 46, verse 10. And it tells us, Scripture says, Be still. Be still and know that I am God. Such a good word. 
Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I want to show you another passage that has a similar idea. It's actually in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. And if you go to Hebrews 4, verse 9, we actually looked at this verse not too long ago, but I want to bring it back to your mind. And it says, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Now, my understanding of this is it's not just a day. It is a day, but it's more than that. It's a lifestyle. It's a rhythm. It's an attitude, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. So important here to take rest. In fact, when we don't, when we don't pause, when we don't experience Selah in our life, we are in danger of falling. And I'm a little worried for our culture right now that you and I, we don't know how to pause. And in this series of rhythms, I want to talk about this minute where we just breathe it in and we reflect, where we actually have interludes in our life. Now, um, I don't think you have to do it anymore. If we do, my computer is in big trouble. But years ago, you used to have to defragment your computer. Do you remember that? And so every once in a while, your computer would start running slow, so you'd hit the defrag button. And see, what happens there when your computer, it, it picks up uh, little blocks of memory, and it puts it, it would write it in different places. So when you were calling up an operation, you would have to pull all this memory from different places and it would just slow it down. So what defragging did is, is it would take all those little blocks and it would put them back together where they were supposed to be. And I think that idea of being fragmented is a perfect picture of where we are right now. See, because we're moving this way and that way and, and we don't ever take time to just reflect, to pause, to have an interlude. And because of that, I think many of us, in fact, I would say most of us have fragmented souls where, where pieces of us are over here and pieces of us are over here and we're just kind of like all just split apart because we never stop and come back together and just find wholeness again. So what I did is I looked at this word Selah and I actually studied every single passage where it's found. And, and I think it actually informs some great ideas and thoughts when it's important it's essential for us just to take a rest, to take a break, to pause in his presence in the rhythms of our life. And the first one that I want to show you is that we need an interlude. And if you go over to Psalm 54, we see it here. We need an interlude, a pause, when we are struggling or when we're in lament. When there's grief or struggle, it is so important to take just a minute and pause in his presence. So we see in this song of David, that there's a huge struggle. Okay, let's start with 54 verse one. He says, save me, O God, by your name. Vindicate me by your might. Hear my prayer, O God. Listen to the words of my mouth. And look at these problems, these struggles. Strangers are attacking me. Ruthless men seek my life. Men without regard for God, Selah. So hold on. This lament, this cry, oh Lord, help me. All of a sudden, it's like, okay, now we'll just take a break. Let's think on this. And see, one of the things that the ancient Israelites did so much better than we do is that they were able to just sit with their grief for a little while. They were just kind of sit in their struggle for a little. You and I, we are so ready. We just don't like to feel bad, right? So quick, move on. Let's get to the next thing. Let's get busy so I don't have to think about it and I don't have to feel it. So when someone would die in ancient Israel, they'd take Sheba seven days 
where they would just mourn intensely for the loved one. And then they'd take 30 days after that to remember the loved one. And if it was a parent, you would, you would continue the mourning in certain ways, in a little milder way, for up to a year, just taking time. You know, uh, Gina, she lost her mother a number of years ago, way too young. And um, for me, you know, I just, I wanted everything to be okay. Husbands can, you know, you just wanted to fix it. You just wanted her to be better. And I remember thinking, like, how long are we going to be sad? Like, when can we move on, right? Now, I'm a much better husband now. But you know what I've learned? Is as long as she needs to just pause. In fact, what she was doing was exactly what she should do, is the right way to, to go through it. And, and we don't handle negative emotions very well. Let's run, let's hide, let's distract, let's medicate ourselves out of this. But scripture shows us that we actually need an interlude after struggle, after suffering, after lament and grieving. We actually need to pause to allow ourselves to feel the loss. See, you need the interlude, actually, because after grief comes a new normal, right? Anyone who's walked through grief knows that. You don't forget. You don't really get over it. It's just a new normal. And you need this interlude. You need this pause in God's presence to get from the old normal to transition into the new normal. So hard for us to just be still and to wait. But it's essential for us, if we want to transition to the next season, to Selah. Pause in his presence. Now look what happens. This is amazing. So in, in 54, we just heard in verse 3, strangers are attacking me. Ruthless men seek my life. Men without regard for God. Okay, pause. And what happens after the interlude? What happens after we pause in God's presence? Verse 4, surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. Now, I just want, I want to submit to you that I think it is impossible to get from verse 3, help me, to verse 4, God is my help, without Selah. I actually think you need a pause to get from one to the other. And see, if your world is collapsing or things, you know, you're freaking out or you're being attacked, going through difficulty or even lost, I would encourage you, pause. Selah, pause in his presence. Reflect on who God is. And as he reflects on God, oh yeah, God is my help. The circumstance haven't changed at all, have they? But his perspective has changed completely. Now I also, as I was following this, I found a number of times where Selah comes after sin or some stumbling. So let's go over to Psalm 32. And we'll see it there. Psalm 32, verse 1. David, again, blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sins the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. And then here we see the weight of his sin as he holds it in. He says, and when I kept silent because of my sin, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. You ever held your sin in for a while? Just try to deal with it on your own and it just weighs on you? It bears down on you? And then it says, Selah. So it's a pause. So listen, if your sin, if you sin or you fall or you fail or you blow it in a spectacular way, the best thing to do is pause. 
Just sit in it for a minute. Now, I'm not saying like sit in your shame, but to pause and consider. And, and I want to tell you that even in like your worst failure, I mean, you blew it just spectacularly. If you pause, it can actually be the start of the best thing that ever happened in your entire life. You can look at that moment and say, oh, look what God did. Because in your sin, I mean, even if, if there's something that caused you to do it, it was there, right? It came out because it was in here. And so it came out, and it's time to wait. Okay, now wait a second here. Why? Why did I do that? Why did that come out of me? What's driving me in this? What's plaguing me in this? What lies have I bought into in this? And see, if you'll pause for a moment in God's presence after your failure, it is such an opportunity to say, ah, now I can be different. And now it won't come out of me anymore because we can deal with what's in me. And look at where it brings David. It's so good. So there he is, no strength. My heart is sapped, Selah. He pauses, interlude. And then what happens? Then, thought about it for a little while. I waited before the Lord. What am I going to do? Why is this happening? Then I acknowledged my sin to you. And I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Selah. We rest again. Interlude again after the confession. And then his conclusion, therefore let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely when the mighty waters rise, I mean, look at how things have changed for him. They will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble. And I love this because where did his trouble come from? His own sin. Yet you will protect me from trouble. And you will surround me with songs of deliverance. What a beautiful song. That's a great time to pause. And think about these songs of deliverance that God sings over us and has for us in the middle of our sin if we turn. See, and the transition comes in the interlude. See, between the sin and the restoration is a pause. Between the falling and the getting up and starting again is just a pause. And I want to encourage you, if you fall, if you fail, if you stumble, no matter how big it is, don't waste it. It's actually an opportunity. Pause in his presence for as long as it takes to say, okay, now, Lord, let's deal with this. Sit with it for a little while so God could transform your heart and pull that root out of your heart. So it's fun studying this because I found about eight or ten distinct moments when Scripture just tells us to pause when this happens. This, now it's time for an interlude. One of my favorite is Psalm 143. And you see the psalmist is just coming out with all this longing, this hunger, and after all this longing, it says, now pause. And let's think about what fills us. Let's think about what fulfills us. And we pause in his presence and we find the answer to our longing. Isn't that good? Gene and I, uh, we just read a book from uh, Carrie Newhoff and it was called uh, Didn't See It Coming. So I, I'd recommend it. It's a good one. And there's this part uh, where he's talking about this pastor he knew who was mentored by Dallas Willard. And the pastor was learning and how to preach and how to do everything. And Dallas was feeding and pouring into him. And then the pastor went to Dallas and he said, okay, now, 
Now I'm about ready to go out and just tell me, like, what do I have to do? What do I need to be an effective pastor and to be a, an effective follower of Jesus? And this is what Dallas Willard said. He said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. I think that's pretty good. Did you catch that? You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And the pastor said, okay, what else? And he said, there is nothing else. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. I have a confession to make to you right now. My life has almost no margin. I mean, my margins are razor thin. If we've had a meeting, you know that I'm like storming in there like right before it's time, right? And then I'm going off to the next one. And before the next meeting starts, like I'm already thinking about getting to the next one, right? And I go from this to this to this to this. I mean, I get out and I have recreation and I have fun, but it's always like, okay, I got to get there and I got to get here and I got to get here and I got to move and I got to move. And I have so little margin, just razor thin. And this, what I'm talking about right now is the recipe for a fragmented life. And a fragmented life brings a fragmented soul. And a fragmented soul leads to disaster, physically, emotionally, spiritually we have to fix this i have to fix this no one's going to fix this for me i am ridiculously in charge of my schedule you are in charge of your schedule you have to do it we are the ones who have to change this and we are desperate for a pause we are desperate for some margin and it starts with our mindset listen productivity is good it's a good thing we are a very very Productive people. But you know what? There is something that is better than productivity. And you know what it is? It's being whole. Being complete in Jesus is much, much better than being productive. And what if that became our goal? What if one of our primary goals in life was I want to be whole, I want to be complete in Jesus, and if I actually put my energy and my time and set my boundaries and structured my rhythms in my life to do that, you know what I think would happen? I think I would be more fruitful. See, this is what happens. So in ministry, what we do is we kind of get this one going, we get this one going, we get this one going, get this one going, and we don't even know what happened back here. We don't even know if it's real fruit. Because we moved on to the next thing. We've got to pause, slow down, contemplate. Listen, plan for breaks. If you have to, if you must, get your, your phone out, open up your calendar, and type in linger. Just linger. Right now I'm going to linger before the next appointment. You know, if it's down the hall, I'm going to linger as I go down the hall. I'm going to take a little time outside and I'm just going to linger. I'm just going to be still so I can process. I'm concerned for us, for us, because we don't take time to just process, to consider, to think, to pause with what's going on. We just rush on to the next one. Plan some breaks in your life. Consider how you fill the moments. And don't you fill the moments? I mean, that's my problem. I could get just a little more done here. I could, just two more emails and then I'll go. You know, I could just get a little more. And, and, and you know what, rather than fill them, embrace those moments. You know what my prayer for you is? I pray that you learn how to be bored. We don't know how to be bored. I want you to be bored for a little while. And we have to, listen, if we're gonna talk about this, we have to talk about those phones, don't we? Because what do you do when you're bored? I bet many of you do the same thing I do. 
right? We don't allow ourselves to be bored. Now, when we talk about phones, we all love to complain about them, and then we love to deride them. We love to talk about how bad they are, and then we like to do nothing about it. But I want this one to be a little bit different. Now, I told you a couple weeks ago that the BBC came out with a study that finds that the average adult spends 4.8 hours per day on their phone. Four point, that's average, 4.8. That's 2,167 clicks, swipes, touches every single day. Uh, 2,167. But I found this other study from Stanford, and they followed 2,000 adults. And they found that, that in this time that adults are consistently using their phones, that most of them, if not all of them, use it more than they plan or want. In fact, they found that 31, on average, 31% of our time on our phone is unplanned and unwanted. Just kind of picked it up. I didn't really mean to do that. That's 1.5 hours a day that we didn't plan or we didn't want that we have this thing in front of us. Now, if you don't plan it and you don't want it, then I would say you are not in control of Do you know what I would call that? An addiction. I hate to say it, but I think we, many of us, are addicted to our phones. And we're filling this time. And we need to do something about our addiction. And this, let me tell you what's not going to work. Well, I'll do better. The, the only way out of addiction is to change your rhythms and your habits and your patterns. You actually have to build rhythms to come out of it. So I actually have, now this is going to sound so ironic, but what I want you to do is to pull out your phone. And what I have up here a, a number of rhythms. And I just, I would like to, I'll try to get out of the way here. And I'd like you to take a picture of some of these rhythms. There's two slides. So here's the first slide. And here's just some things. Now, don't do all of them. Because if you decide to do all of them, you'll do none of them. All right? Do one to three of these things. Decide one to three of these things that you're going to do in your home regarding your phone if you want to be freer, more free, okay? Here it is. Don't look at it in the morning until you've read your Bible. That's a great one. Don't start with all of that information. Start with the Word of God. And then you're killing two birds with one stone right there. You're getting into the truth. So don't open it until you've read your Bible. No phones allowed at your dinner table. No phones allowed in your bedroom. Put all the phones to bed one hour before anyone else in your home goes to bed. Delete the app that you spend the most time on. Block the websites that steal your time. There's two websites, news websites, that I always go to, and I've blocked them. And it's amazing how much less time I spend on them because I can't get to them. Schedule the times. And you know, that's just admitting, like, I don't have the power to not look. I actually need the phone to stop me. Schedule the times you'll text or email each day. It's okay to make people wait if they text you. I know that your kids don't, they expect you to do it immediately. My kids have learned, I'll get back to them. And if, if the house is burning down, I'll find out some other way. I'll see the smoke. <laughs> let Sundays be no cell Sunday. So today, don't touch it. Okay, let's bring the next slide up. You can take a picture of this one if you want to as well. Power it down before dates, game nights, and family events. Don't rob from your family or your loved one. Turn your notifications off, especially if it's on that wrist. Don't use it in the bathroom because that's disgusting. <laughs> Don't answer or look at it while you're... Now, this one's important, I think. This is just respect. This is just kindness. Don't answer or look at it while you're with a real, live, actual person. 
It rings, just ignore it, okay? They can, there's voicemail. Install blockers or parental settings for your kids. Find replacements, a thoughtful walk, a book, a coffee with a friend. Take a fast from your phone. And here's one that a number of my more courageous friends have done and the powerful ones, which is just get rid of it. They've gone to, to the flip phone. We've got a few uh, on our staff who've done that. What a good idea. All right, so take a little time. Build some rest. There's just some practices. Build some rhythms where you can pause, where you can find Selah. Now, there's one more pause that I want to talk about that I saw in Scripture, and that is we need an interlude. We need a moment. We need a Selah to reflect on the power and the majesty and the greatness of God. I see that time and time again in Scripture where the psalmist will just stop and like, God, is just so amazing and wonderful. Now consider that and think about it. Let's look at Psalm 24, verse 7. It says, lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. Now, when is the last time that you just took a pause to just consider who God is? To think about His might, His grandeur, His creativity, His beauty, His power. And what better way to transition from one moment to the next than to just pause and consider the greatness of our God? What an amazing thing to do, to sit there for just a moment and say, okay, now who is this King of glory? Just rest in that for a little bit. Who is this King of glory that we serve and we love? What does he do? What does he care about? What is he like? We're going to take a, a little time right now, and, and we're actually, we left some time here at the end of service for worship, and we're actually going to have a, a Selah worship, and just worship with pause and a per, time of reflection, and we're going to reflect on who God is right now. So I want to ask you just to just, we're going to go through this kind of slow, and still, and quiet, and praise Him, and consider who He is, and so I want to go back to Psalm 46. And I'll just read it slowly to you. And then I, I would like you to pause and to think on this, to contemplate this as we have some musical interludes, as we sing some songs together. It says, God is our refuge. And our strength. He is an ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, Selah. Let's just take a moment right now and just pause. On God, our refuge. God, our strength. God, our ever-present help in times of trouble. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come right now, Lord, that you would meet us right now in these moments. We're just going to slow down. And Holy Spirit, we ask for your presence. God, we want to pause in your presence. Adam, can you hear me? I ask, Lord, that you just begin to move right now in every person's heart, just move in every life. Can you hear me? And God, as we remember 
who you are. And Lord, how you are here for us. Lord, I just pray that you would begin right now to touch us. Thank you that you are our strength. And I want you to take those worries that you have right now and those fears that are before you and that are around you and they feel like mountains and, and though the, the, the earth shake and the mountains go into the sea, that he will be your help. So just pause right now in the moment. Just take these worries, take these fears that you have in your life. Just bring them before God right now. Bring them before him. Just, just tell him what they are. And then just rest with him as you hand them over. Just take a little time to do that right now. Just rest with God. Come, Holy Spirit. We want more, more of your presence, Lord. Meet your children right now. Father, I just ask you to come right now, Lord. I ask you to just put your arms around every single one of us, Lord, in your presence. Lord, we're just waiting on you right now, being still, knowing that you are God. Lord, I pray that every single one of us would just feel your arms around us. Holy Spirit, would you come and just, just put your arms around us right now. Cover us like a blanket, Lord. Meet us, God. Okay, just tell them. Tell them right now, I draw near to you. Lord, draw near to me. Tell them again, I draw near to you. Lord, draw near to me. Oh, God, we draw near to you. Lord, thank you that you are drawing near to me. Just wait, just pause in his presence right now. Just be still. More, Lord, come and meet us now.
recognize that we get the privilege to stand here in his presence and he is here with us right now. We get to worship him. We get to lift him up. We get to honor him and glorify his name. Continuing on in chapter 46, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Now nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. But he lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. I want you just to give him your disappointments right now. Those things that you hoped for that didn't come to pass. The craziness of what's going on around you. The brokenness of this world. Just bring it before his feet right now. Just put all those disappointments before him. Lord, I was hoping you would do this, but you didn't. Rest in his presence to know that he lifts his voice and the earth melts. So God, we just come quietly and still before you. Lord, some of us with deep disappointment, deep hurt, deep loss, come into your presence, Lord, knowing that in your presence we find healing. In your presence, we're put back together. In your presence, we find hope. Just take a moment right now. Just lay those disappointments before him. Rest in his presence as you do. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in him. God bless you.